Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. This week, the remarkable gift is the gift sought. We, uh, we saw the gift two weeks ago. We talked about the gift uh, uh, recognized last week. This week, we are looking at the gift sought. Let me ask you this question. I think I know the answer to it, but uh, would you like $63 million? Should you get $63 million, I will be looking in the offering plate for a $6.3 million check. Just, just so you understand, and maybe a little offering on top of that, too. I mean, you do have $63 million, so a little offering. That's a different sermon. Uh, if you would like $63 million, then all you need to do is solve this. That's all. This is called a cipher. In, in particular, this is called the Beale cipher. A uh, gentleman by the name of, let me find his name, Thomas Beale, in the 1820s, apparently, decided to, according to legend, play a little trick on his family and friends, and he, he got together, he had this, this money, so it he left it to a group, and it may have, it seems like it, uh, in my memory, it was a uh, kind of a collection of two or three families that they had come together and they had earned this money somehow, uh, who knows how, in Virginia, and said, if you solve, he actually left three ciphers, you solve these three ciphers and you find the money. The, the first cipher which is this one, is the location of the treasure. Uh, the second cipher, which has been solved, is, uh, describes the, the, uh, the treasure. And the third unsolved cipher lists the names of the treasure owners and the next of kin, who, who should get the money. Supposedly buried somewhere up in uh, Bedford County, Virginia, Mr. Beale left the, the ciphers with an innkeeper, and it, this legend got passed down. And, and, and it's not quite a legend, because according to a paper that came out called the Beale Paper uh, in 1880s, these are the ciphers. And, and this is the location. Well, that's, there we go. Uh, this is the location cipher. The, the first one, uh, just to give you a little hint, if you want to take a picture of it, and you're going to be determined to find it, uh, the, the cipher that was solved, each number... Uh, represented the, a word from the Declaration of Independence. And then you took the first letter of that word and you put words together. So, you know, there's no spaces, so you don't know which word it is, how many letters in the word. You just had to kind of figure it out. Once you got all the letters lined up, you start breaking those letters into words. They have looked at this. They've run it through supercomputers. In the 60s, they ran it through a supercomputer. Super they can find no text that this particular cipher would go through that they would have known about in the 1820s. I mean, they've gone back to you know, like Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey. They've done the Magna Carta. They've done the Declaration. They've done the Constitution, all these things, and they can't find it. So maybe you're the one that's going to find it and, 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 and get that $63 million. They, there are still people that are determined it's really there. Most people think the man was just yanking on somebody's chain. Uh, that's why he made the first one solvable, and the other two 
not solvable, and eh, so people for a couple of hundred years would look like fools. Well, the search for something of value, right? That, that, and, and this isn't the only one. You've got supposed hidden treasure in Utah and Arizona, uh, the Dutchman, I believe it's called, the Dutchman Mines, that, hidden treasure all over the world if you believe the stories. And there are treasure hunters, there are people who search for something of value, and, and that search leads a lot of people maybe to work riddles, uh, some to dig holes. There's a guy in Utah right now that's determined he's found this multi-million dollar treasure, and uh, the National Park Service says, you're nuts. But uh, he's determined. It, leads, it leads some to interpret the stars. Uh, there are a lot of people that find their lottery numbers in their horoscope or on uh, inside a cookie uh, that's supposed to be, uh, you know, your fortune. Uh, and a lot of those fortunes uh, look like a lot of sermon points I've heard from some preachers over the years. They're just that uh, fluffy and, and, and really pointless. Uh, we're going to talk about today three, well, we're going to talk about how it probably wasn't three, uh, some guys who, the Magi, right, we're familiar with them in Matthew chapter 2, who were reading the stars and were searching for something of worth. They were, they were looking at the stars, and then they found something worth looking for. The gift sought, right? Okay, Matthew 2, verses 9 through 11, we're actually going to read uh, the whole uh, 1 through 12 of chapter 2 to kind of get the context of this, of this whole passage. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just let me stop right there, keep that in mind for just a second, after Jesus was born. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them to the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I, can, I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star that they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, this is a story we're all very, very familiar with. Um, we do want to clear a few things up with the, between the, 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 the reality that we know from Scripture and the tradition that has come down to us over the years. Uh, first of all, the Magi likely visited a toddler. Uh, they not an infant. They, they weren't there the night of the birth as, as our nativity scenes portray and the movies portray. Uh, we see that in verse 1 that I, I pointed out to you. Uh, after Jesus was born, they showed up. Um, 
they were looking for a child, different word from, from, the, from an infant uh, that they were, uh, they were talking about. And then verse 16, when we read about the massacre of the children, Herod specifically said all kids two years old and younger should die. So clearly they weren't looking for a baby. Uh, another thing to clear up, that, that we, have, we have come to think this because we think of a manger as a feed trough, and we, so we think, oh, well, he was in a barn. That's where we keep our animals. Well, in, in actuality, Jesus was likely born in a house uh, at night in these sorts of homes that was kind of a split-level house. The people slept up on the second level in the back of the house, and at night they brought their animals into the house, and the animals slept on that first floor and carved into the wall or built into the wall, kind of like what we would have called a, a bench seat or something, was a trough that they would feed the animals, put food in overnight for the animals. That's probably where Jesus was uh, put, and it's where he slept his first night, was in that, that trough in the house. So I know that messes up our, our pretty uh, nativity scene underneath the, uh, the tree, but just, you know, giving you some, some context. It's very likely the same house that the uh, the Magi visited. Not necessarily, but it could have been they were there at the house he was born in because it says when uh, in verse, let me find it, uh, 9, until they came uh, and stopped, uh, verse 11 rather, entering the house, not entering the stable. All right, that's our second one. Third thing, they weren't kings. We three kings of Orient are. Now I've messed up our songs. I'm ruining Christmas for some of y'all. Uh, I've messed up your nativity. I've messed up your song. Uh, they weren't kings. That probably comes from a prophecy, uh, from Old Testament prophecy, where it, it says kings will come and bow down, and, and they will one day bow down to Jesus, no doubt. But at this point, they weren't kings. They were uh, very likely important, educated court officials, uh, something like maybe what Daniel was in uh, the, the Babylonian court. And then the whole idea of three of them, uh, tradition even gives them names, even though we have no clue who they were. The three actually comes from the gifts. The, the scripture doesn't tell us how many there were. We know there were more than one because it uses a plural, but other than that, we don't know. So now that I have ruined your Christmas, uh, let, me, let me fix it for you by looking at what we do know about the Magi and, and, and this gift that they sought. We know, first of all, the Magi saw the signs. They were looking around. Verse 2 tells us that uh, they, they, were, they, they tell the, the, the king, they tell Herod, we saw his star in the east. Magi were known as astrologers. Now, let's be a little careful with our term astrologer. Uh, astronomer is a scientist who studies the stars and the planets and studies space. Okay? Astrologer today we think of, um, oh, what's her name? There was a name that ran, just ran through my head. It was a famous astrologer. She never got anything right. Uh, but from the 60s or 70s, y'all know who I'm talking about if you think of it. I'm not old enough to remember her. Um, but, uh, but she was famous, and I think she had like three names. I, I, it's, it's just right there. Anyway, the, the horoscopes and, oh, if, if this planet goes through this constellation at this time and you're here and, and, and you didn't, oh, you'll get rich or whatever they say. 
The Magi were something in between. They weren't astronomers the way we understand them, though they had an incredible understanding for their time of, of movement of planets and constellations and that kind of thing. Uh, but they, they also saw in the stars, clearly, messages and signs, but not quite possibly to the extent that, that we uh, understand our astrologers today. But they did study it. They had been trained to understand not just uh, astrology was part of what they did. They, these guys would have been the, the double and triple PhDs of the day. They, they knew a lot about a lot. Okay, they, they, did, they didn't specialize. They, they were the smartest guys in the room, regardless of the topic, uh, most of the time. So they had been trained to see what was going on and to understand what was going, around them, going on around them. They were this type of person because of something internal. They, they, they had this internal drive to look for something greater. Now, I, I would say, uh, they may not have recognized it as the at the time, but I would say that there was a hole, there was a void in them that they were trying to fill. And they were trying to fill it with knowledge. And they looked to the stars and other places to find that. What we also see here in this verse, this, these guys coming from the east, maybe Persia, uh, uh, what was left of, of Babylon at the time, that, that area over, it would be um, eastern Iraq uh, is where we would think of it right now, maybe Iran, uh, the, that, that area. We see immediately at, at his birth people outside of the chosen people of God coming to seek Jesus. These are people beyond God's people looking for something greater. Let that be a message to us Christians. That, that the people around us who seem to be outside of the fold, and, and may very well be, they are unbelievers, they aren't followers, or followers of Jesus, they are looking. They, they may not know they're looking even. They may not understand what they're looking for, but they are looking. They're seeking significance. They're seeking something just like these guys outside, and, and, and we have it, okay? So what was the star? They've, they've looked at the, the heavens, they've studied the stars, and, I mean, books and, and papers and discussions have been had on, on what this was. As a matter of fact, there's a, a, apparently a pretty new book that I've seen uh, floating around the, the Internet that I haven't been able to get that I'd like to that, that is supposed to give a very good explanation of what it was. There are three really... Uh, big possibilities uh, for a natural explanation for what the star was. Was it a comet? Possibly, uh, but we know when Halley's Comet comes around every year, and Halley's Comet would have been too early for it to have been uh, what the, the Magi saw when Jesus was born. So, And there's no other comet that we know of that would have come around. Could it have been a supernova? It's possible it was a supernova. Uh, we know from Chinese astronomers that there was a supernova sometime around uh, the years Jesus could have been born. We don't know exactly when he was born. We think 4, 5, 6 B.C. may have been uh, when he was born. There was a, a supernova about that time. Could it have been planet alignment? Uh, if you watch the movie in the Nativity Story, which, as I, I think I've said, is, is a great representation of the the Christmas story, but they get a lot of these traditions mixed in with the scripture, and it makes for a good movie, but it's not, you know, exactly what we know to have taken place. The, the Magi are following in this 
uh, instance, planet alignment. And we also know that there was a planet alignment that could have occurred uh, between, if I'm not mistaken, Jupiter and Saturn about this time when Jesus was born. So very possibly, God could have used the timing of something that was going on in space that he set into motion millennia and millennia and millennia in advance to come together just at the right time to get the Magi's attention to get them across this desert to see this child after he had been born. It's very possible. But what the natural explanations don't explain is verse 9, where it says, And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. Interesting. We're going to get to that in a minute, but uh, it, 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 it appears that the star was there, then it wasn't there, and then it came back again and did some kind of crazy things for any of these three possible explanations uh, to have done. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So the Magi, they were looking around. They were studying what was going on around them. They were looking at, at things in their lives, things that were important to them, things that, that were constantly on their mind and saying, what is going on here and what does this all mean? Well, then we see that the Magi responded to those signs. The, the last little section of verse 9 there says, uh, or rather verse uh, 2, not verse 9. Uh, they, they came, where is the, the, the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we responded. We have come to worship him. See, when they, when they looked around their, their life, when they looked around the things they were studying, when they saw these signs, all those signs did was lead them to want to know more. Now, it, it could have been that they saw the signs, they made the observations, and they said, that is neat. What's for supper? Uh, my show's coming on. I want to eat, I wanna eat and, and get, my, get my TV watching done. I'm kind of sleepy today. Uh, did you get the mail? Or was it my turn to get the mail? The dishwasher needs... They didn't do that. They, they understood that, that just mere observation of those surrounding events didn't provide an explanation. They looked around. They saw some incredible things going on. They saw uh, questions, uh, saw signs that brought up questions, and they wanted those questions answered. We've seen a star. That star tells us something. We've seen something in the heavens that says, hey, y'all, I need your attention right now. We're going to give it the attention it asks for and look into what's going on. And so they did. So they traveled probably months to see, get this, they saw a star in the, in the east. Now, the star wasn't in the east. Am I pointing east? Yeah, I am. The star wasn't in the east. The star was actually in the west. They were in the east. So that the language there, that sentence is, we saw a star while we were in the east. So we looked west and we saw the star and the way it came up, we knew it was right over Judah. And for that star to come up over Judah, or maybe that star, maybe that planet, uh, there are some scholars that say the planet particularly that lined up uh, with, uh, together, could have lined up together. One planet represented Judah, the other planet rep represented kingship or a king so the two coming together at that time said oh there's a new king in judah is what they said so good explanation right now 
we saw that. And so we're going to travel across the desert for a few months to see a baby that we assume has been born, uh, been born because of a star. Um, that is some pretty impressive dedication, right? I mean, how many of you would say, wow, uh, I've never seen that comet before. I'm going to travel across the country to the other side of the country because a comet came up in, you know, came up in California or something, showed up over California. Now I'm going to go. No, but these men did. They saw the signs around them. They observed what was going on. Then they responded to it. But real quickly, do you see the importance of that baby as well? Do you see what God was working together? Whether, whether there's a natural explanation for what they saw or not, God still was working it together in his sovereignty to get this, the, the attention of this group of men to then lead them to walk all the way across pretty much their known world at the time to see a baby in a country... How are they going to find one kid out of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people? And yet they went across. They saw the signs. They responded to those signs. The third thing we see with the Magi here is they had difficulty. Well, duh. Did, we just, did you not hear what they just did? Oh, I saw a star. Let's chase it across the desert. Makes perfect sense, right? Well, they, they had difficulty. Uh, verse 1 shows us some of that difficulty, kind of prepares us for that difficulty. Uh, verse 9 does as well. Uh, verse 1, they, they, they show up in Jerusalem. You missed your mark, fellas. But they didn't know, did they? I mean, they, they didn't know where they were going. Uh, verse 9, it, 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 it has come. They saw it, but apparently it's gone. See, look. The sign that they saw was neither detailed nor constant. They saw a sign. They saw a star. The star didn't come with an instruction manual. Uh, there wasn't a website describing the star and everything it meant. Uh, th there are scholars that believe that it's possible that the Magi had access to some of Daniel's writings, especially if they were from Persia, which had been Babylon at one time. They, had, they knew of Daniel. They had access to his writings. They may have known something about the Son of Man that Daniel talked about. Uh, if they had had other Old Testament writings because of when, when Daniel came, they may have known about uh, Balaam's prophecy. If you go back to Numbers, where he was supposed to curse Israel, but instead he blesses them. And he mentions uh, a number of things that uh, have kind of uh, um, informed our understanding of the Magi. Uh, it, th there are a lot of possibilities here, but, but, it, but, that, but that was it. I got a star. I got Hebrew scripture we really don't believe. Let's chase it. And, and they did. But, and it also wasn't constant. Like I said, it, it appears that they woke up, they looked, oh, there's the star. All right, well, let's follow it. And, and they did, but it, it took them so long to get there that by the time they got where they were going, whatever it was that had caused it, comet, supernova, planet alignment, or something else, it no longer was. It, it, it had moved on. That's, that's the nature of 
the planets and the constellations. They shift. You know, uh, go back to your your eighth grade science class, and you learned about the moon phases and that kind of thing. You know, it's not the same. Now it may come back next year, but uh, it won't be there for the next two or three months. So they assumed Jerusalem. All they knew was Palestine. All they knew was west. This is where it came up. We're going to follow this thing. We're going to end up in Judah, looks like. Oh, here we go. So where should I go? Well, Jerusalem, right? Capital city. So they assumed Jerusalem. Star only told them to go to Judah. You get to Jerusalem, who are you going to talk to? Well, you're going to talk to the king. You're going to talk to Herod. We've heard about a new king being born. Understand this about Herod. Herod was not a king king, okay? He was a, it was a court-appointed official. He, he was better than Magi, but he, Pilate said, you're the king. And if Pilate said he wasn't the king, he was no longer the king. He got the title, the, the money, the, the fun, but not much of the authority. So these guys show up at Herod's front door, and they knock on it and say, hey, we've come to see the new king that was, has just been born. Well, Herod was known to kill his offspring. He killed a wife. He killed a kid or two uh, just because he thought they were going to overthrow him. Uh, there's a little play on words in Greek uh, that uh, the, the word son and the word pig are very close. They, they, it's, a, it's a pun uh, they're very close in the Greek, and the phrasing at the time was, and it's, it's been found to not have been around during his day, but it's still funny, it's safer to be uh, Herod's pig than to be his son. Better to be his, I can't remember the uh, word for pig, like it's, it's like huion or something like that, and then than to be his huios, which would be son, because he was Jewish. He wouldn't eat a pig, but he'd kill his son in a heartbeat to stay king. So that was the pun. That was what everybody would uh, kind of thought about Herod. So he hears about this king. Um, no, gentlemen, I'm not familiar with that, that king that you're talking about. Tell me about it. So they did. He told them, get Herod. Get, get the scribes, get the learned men. These guys outside of God's fold, outside of the scriptures, they show up and say, hey, we've come to, to worship your new king. And, and Herod says, guys, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Um, well, by our calculation, sir, and by the prophet that we were supposed to have known about anyway and probably should have been looking for too, um, He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, they come and ask for a king. Herod asks for the Messiah. Herod, the guy who's going to save you? That's, that's who you expect? Interesting, right? I think so. And then he wants to kill him. Oh, did I leave out that part? He wants to kill the Messiah. So they, 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 they go. The, the, the star was there. The star is not there. They get the word from Herod, it's in Bethlehem. See, they missed it by five, seven miles, five or six miles. The star appears, it was gone. Suddenly, it says in verse 9, the star they had seen in it. There it was. They talked to Herod. He says, go to Bethlehem. All right, they head out to Bethlehem. Now, if, I, if my geography is, 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 is sticking with me, Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem, I think. Not if you know if I'm right. Thank you. 
Uh, Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem, five or six miles. They've been traveling west from the east. They get to Jerusalem. Where's the king? Herod says, go that way. So they go that way. They've been following a star, right, over here. The star's been there. And suddenly, when Herod says, go to Bethlehem, and they turn toward Bethlehem, the star shows up over there and then points out the house. That ain't no supernova. That ain't no comet. That ain't no planet alignment. That's God. Okay? That's him saying, here's the spot. X marks the spot. That's what God was saying. What did the Magi do, the Magi do in verse 10? They rejoiced in the finding. They saw the star and they had joy. See, the difficulty the disappearing, the coming back, the, the going to the wrong place technically, the probably of the, the, the having to convince their friends, you know, really, we're going to go do this. All that came to fruition and paid off. Remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about the gift you got that, that you recognized it before you unwrapped it, but they put it in your lap and you knew immediately what it was? That was, that was the Magi right then. We got it. We found it's what we wanted. It's what we've been looking for. The uncertainty was erased. They saw the star or whatever it is now over Bethlehem. And, 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 and when they get there, actually pinpointing the house. And they had no doubt. They had no question about the surroundings. Wait a minute. We were looking for a king. Jerusalem's behind us. The king, the family, the royal family is behind us. We're going to Bethlehem, small town, a house, not a palace. Okay, this is where the signs tell us to go. So we're going to trust what we see. Last thing, verse 11, when they get there, entering the house, they saw the child and they worshipped him. Now it could be. It could be that the Magi only saw a king. That, that could be what they saw. They only saw an earthly king, a human king. But there are some hints here. Some, some word usage, some, some context that really lead us to believe that the Magi saw something more in that one-and-a-half-year-old, two-year-old that they came across. Having just gone through the one-and-a-half-year-old, two-year-old stage, it had to be something special in that child to be seen, to think, wow, this is a king and maybe God. Okay? Personally, I've not thought that about either of my two children. Uh, four, really, uh, when I look at them at that age. But I think that's probably part of the miracle of it, too. Because Jesus was probably, you know, chasing the animals, messing in the fire, you know, Put that back, stop, don't do that, don't touch that, don't, no, don't go outside, no, come back inside, don't go, come back inside, don't do this, don't do, Jesus, sit down, eat your supper, don't, do, no, don't kill your, because he's one, one and a half years old. So, they saw something there that you wouldn't see in just a child, because God was telling them. See, they would have known, and here's why I think maybe they saw something more. The, the star that they saw, and it was over Judah, and they went to Jerusalem, okay. They, they were fine with that. That's, that's kind of miraculous. They were, you know, we, we would say that, and they probably were thinking, that's a big deal. But they knew 
at the point that they turned south and saw that same thing in the wrong spot, they knew, <clears throat> excuse me, this is not just a kid. This is not just a king. This is too odd for that to be the case with this child. Uh, they knew that he was what they had been looking for. The toddler running around, maybe, maybe uneasy in steps, uh, uh, you know, chasing the animals, all the things that they would do. They knew that was the, the child they had been looking for. The light, the star, whatever it was, shone down, marked the house, and then they gave him gifts fit for the king that they knew he was. Again, th those gifts, that there have been various uh, scholars that say each gift meant something, uh, and, and that's possible that God was doing that with the, the gifts he told them to bring. It's not necessary that he was. We, these were very common gifts to bring to a king. Uh, anytime you went and showed up at the, the, to uh, worship him, to, to bow down, to pay homage to the king, these were common gifts. So we, we don't want to put too much where that, that it isn't there, but we want to recognize the, uh, the, the fact that you know, king for, uh, gold for the king and, and myrrh for his burial and those kinds of things, that, that's possible. Let's not uh, get, get too far down the road because there's plenty just what, in just what's already written. That these men travel all this way to come to a palace and instead they go to a house. And when they get there, they don't question, they don't wonder, they bow down and worship. Again, the context. It's one thing to kneel before a king. One thing to pay homage, but this idea of worship, there's more here that these magi did than just recognize a royal baby. Chromatius of Aquileia, it's a mouthful, he was bishop. Aquileia was a town in northern Italy back when the Romans had it, 300 A.D., 200 A.D. It had 100,000 people. Today, it's really not much bigger than Nixon, Texas. It's uh, probably about 3,500 people right now in Aquileia. It's, it's gone down quite a ways uh, in 2,000 years. But he was the bishop. He was the, the priest of that town. He said this about the wise men. Let us now observe how glorious was the dignity that attended the king after his birth, after the magi in their journey remained obedient to the star, for immediately the Magi fell to their knees and adored the one born as Lord. There in his very cradle they venerated him with offerings of gifts, though Jesus was merely a whimpering infant. Now I would say he's a little older than infant, but they still whimper, right? I've got three-year-olds, they still whimper. They perceived one thing with the eyes of their bodies, but another with the eyes of their mind. The lowliness of the body he assumed was discerned, but the glory of his divinity is now made manifest. A boy he is, but it is God who is adored. How inexpressible is the mystery of, this, of his divine honor. The invisible and eternal nature did not hesitate to take on the weaknesses of the flesh on our behalf. The Son of God, who is God of the universe, is born a human being in the flesh. He permits himself to be placed in a manger, and the heavens are within the manger. I love this next sentence. He is kept in a cradle 
a cradle that the world cannot hold. Uh, that's beautiful. He is heard in the voice of a crying infant. This is the same one for whose voice the whole world would tremble in the hour of his passion. Thus he is the one, the God of glory and the Lord of majesty, whom as a tiny infant the Magi recognized. It is he who, while a child, was truly God and King eternal. How much of all that the Magi understood, I don't know, but I think they understood a lot. I think when they saw that baby, they thought, this is more than a king, y'all. This is something major, and we get to see it. So I'll ask you to kind of take that journey with the Magi this morning. Maybe you're in a place right now, and the signs are telling you Jesus is what you're looking for. You're looking around. Maybe it's the signs, the times. Maybe, maybe it's, it's you know, the election. Maybe it's world events. Maybe, maybe it's much, much closer to home for you. But the signs around you are telling you that you, you've got something to go look for. And, and they're pointing you because, and I would, because you're here this morning or because you're listening on TV or online. The signs you believe, just maybe, are pointing you to that baby, to Jesus. Maybe it's the season that's doing it. Are you going to, like the Magi, respond to the signs that you're seeing? Let me put that in form, the form of an, an imperative. Respond to the si signs that you're seeing. It is, it is not a coincidence that, that you are where you are at this moment. It's not a coincidence that those signs are pointing to Jesus. It's not a coincidence that you are seeing these things and they are creating in you a longing to seek something that's going to satisfy the questions that those signs create. The, to fill the, the, the void of, of knowledge, uh, the void uh, in your heart that you're trying to fill with knowledge. Let me ask you, have you had difficulty or doubt in seeking what it is these signs are telling you? Do you think it could, could it be Jesus? No, no, that, that can't be the answer. It's got, it got to be something else. Jesus cannot be the answer to what I'm going through now. Is it difficult? I've tried to seek him. I've tried to find out what these signs are pointing to, but I just can't seem to get there. It, it looks good for a while, but then, but then it, it backs off. Then I don't see the sign anymore. Then I'm, I'm feeling lost again. But then suddenly it shows up again. If you've had that difficulty and doubt, the Magi, they can relate. They can help you out because you're here. You're hearing. Will you, like the Magi, rejoice? Y'all, the signs brought you here. The confluence of events of your life have gotten you to this point where right now you are here hearing about the baby Jesus. The baby Jesus who didn't stay a baby. The baby Jesus who didn't come to give us Christmas but to come, that came to give us Easter. The baby Jesus who grew into a man and died for your sins. Died to save you from an eternity in hell. God died to make you God's child. That, that's what those signs have brought you to today. Now, will you, as the wise men did, worship him? 
Will you come and bring him gifts? He doesn't want your gold. He doesn't want your frankincense. And he doesn't want your myrrh. He wants something much more valuable. He wants your life. He wants your heart. He wants your faith. He wants your love. He wants your trust. He wants you. So will you, like the Magi, respond this morning to the to the the baby you've been seeking, even though maybe you didn't realize what you were seeking. You thought it was one thing, and church kind of made sense, but then you got here and you found out it wasn't church at all. It was Jesus that you needed. Jesus that you've been looking for. See, the, the seeker will find. If you are looking for Jesus today, it's because God has drawn you. you know, the Bible tells us that, that no one seeks God. If you are looking for God right now, it is because God is calling you. God has put the signs in your life, put the circumstances in your life to get you here to this point. Will you seek? You have. But now will you accept what you found? That is a simple gift-receiving transaction to go through. We understand, you need to understand, that your problem is sin. Your problem isn't the election, your problem isn't world events, your problem isn't your parents or your children, your bank account, or is any, and it, and it, it isn't any of that. It is your sin. Maybe your sin caused those things, maybe your sin didn't. That's irrelevant. Your problem is your sin, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you, that is me, that's all of us, that's everybody. We all have a sin problem. The wages of those sins, of that sin, is death. You can't get out of your sin. You can't stop sinning. Go ahead, try. Nope, you failed. Guaranteed. You can't do it. You can't fix it, but Jesus can. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, great time to talk about gifts, isn't it? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God proves his own love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The gift was given long before I would ever accept it. The gift was given regardless of whether or not I would accept it. But the gift was given nonetheless, ready for me to receive. That gift has been given for you, ready for you to receive as well. Anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's everybody here. No, you've not done too much. No, you haven't sinned so much God can't forgive you. No, he is not going to reject you because of this and that and the other thing that you can't get over in your life because he can fix, he can take away, he can blot out every sin you've ever committed. If he couldn't, he wouldn't bother. He wouldn't say, oh, eh, I'm gonna, I was going to offer, but man, that was too much, so never mind. No, he doesn't work that way. Everything you've done. And if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It is that simple. It is a simple transaction of faith and trust. It is repentance. It is turning from trusting yourself, your old life, believing you can do it, and turning to God and saying, the only way I can satisfy your requirement on my life, perfection, is to place my trust in Jesus who makes me perfect by his blood. That's it. You can do that today if you will. Would you pray with me? Lord, I, I thank you that you gave us the gift of the Magi, not the Magi's gift, but the gift of the Magi, an example, among other things, to follow.
to see, Lord, that the gift is there. The gift, you've brought us to this. You have, you have put the signs before us, Lord. You have asked us to respond. And then now we have the opportunity to either worship and give you our lives or walk away and say, that's not the king I want. Lord, this morning I pray that it will be the king that we want because it is absolutely the king that we need. It doesn't look like what we thought could fix our problems, but yet that baby born, that man crucified, that God forgiving is exactly what we need. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross. Lord God, thank you for sending your son to be our sacrifice, to be our substitute. Lord, this morning there's some of us here who are believers who, who have stopped, we've stopped being in awe of that gift. We've stopped looking. We've stopped seeking. We, we, we've stopped being amazed. We've stopped seeing the signs of what you are telling us, God. Lord, open our eyes to see what's going on around us. Let us see your call back, your continued uh, discipleship in our lives, your continued desire to make us closer to you. Thank you again for your word and what you teach us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, maybe you need to respond. You, you sought the gift. You've, you've looked around and, and here you are. Now what? Well, now what is you need to respond? I'd love to pray with you. Maybe this morning you've accepted Christ. You, you, you understood what I just said about the scripture and you said, that's what I want. I want to follow Jesus. I want this gift. Come and share that with me. Let's rejoice with you as a church. Maybe, maybe you need to, to talk to God about your gift and you say, you know what? I have not cherished this gift as, as much as I would like to or, or should have. Maybe you want me to pray with you. Maybe you want to come to these uh, altar rails here and, and pray. I don't know what your decision is. Maybe you just want to write that down and have us pray with you this week or contact you this week. Whatever it is, I want you in this time of decision to make a response. Do business with God as we stand and sing.